0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pattern Grid World. I am your co-host, Sean. I am Aaron, making a binary choice between two options. So this week, we brought you all down to Pattern Grid World. You know, you can imagine you're looking around, you're seeing a grid universe, as it will, run by a simulation, white grids everywhere, but Mm -hmm. anything could appear or disappear at any time, according to immaculate logic.
1: And you just kind of walk around the world on the grid. You walk along one part of the grid, you reach a point. You have to choose a direction in which to go Mm -hmm. along the grid, there's a few choices and you make one choice and you walk along that one path till you meet the next point of choice Mm -hmm. along the way. And you know, these choices, there's a real logic to them. There's a lot of assumptions and just kind of you have to pick one or the other.
0: Yeah, that's Pattern Grid World for you. You know, it's a mind boggling set of paradoxical choices.
1: But you all know this because you live in Pattern Grid World with us. So today's topic on the podcast coming from the grid world is zero sum games.
0: Yeah, so a zero sum game, it's something from Pattern Grid World where you're faced with a competition where for someone to win, another person has to lose proportionally that much. So it comes out to zero. The sum yeah, is zero. wins
1: and losses are equivalent and yeah, it averages out to zero. A good way to think about it is a poker game. In a poker game, everyone sits around the table, they throw in their amount of money, say everyone throws in a hundred bucks, Then one person wins the hand, they take 800 bucks and seven people all lose their money. It's proportionate, it's equal, it's zero at the end. No extra money came into the system and no money disappeared to anyone other than the players. It's perfectly locked in.
0: Uh, Yeah, another good example of this is where someone's running for office, say someone's running for mayor. There's only one mayoral seat, there's five people on the ballot. So in order for one person to get that seat, four people necessarily must not get that seat. And so it's a zero-sum game. The new mayor's gain comes at the loss of all the mayors are opposed to.
1: There's two states, mayor and non-mayor.
0: And, and whether or no not you in collapse into a mayor state or collapse into a non-mayor state comes to the result of a contest that necessarily makes other people collapse into non-mayors by your collapsing into a mayor state. So yeah, that's Zero Sum Games in a nutshell. That's Pattern Grid World. That's the sort of spooky stuff we do around here.
1: Yeah, we love it. We love the Zero Sum game. It's really exciting, and it leads to all sorts of great stuff, like trying to sabotage other
0: people so that they lose so that you can win. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more thrilling than stakes. And what is the ultimate stakes, except for a binary sort of win-lose situation, where someone's loss is necessary in order for someone else to gain. Stop it, you're
1: just making me too happy saying that.
0: It sounds like you agree with recent opinion polls from Pattern Grid World, where 100% of residents say they support zero-sum games as a necessary function of the world, just something naturally there. 100%. There was not a single vote cast against that, and they polled everyone.
1: Well then, let me be the first to say that it's no surprise I agree with everyone, because I'm part of everyone, and that's just logical.
0: Yes, if someone's part of everyone, and everyone agrees that zero-sum games are good, necessarily, ergo, that individual must agree perfect Uh,
1: logic thank you that fit
0: exactly into place like a block or a a square
1: peg in a square hole that's
0: the one yes not just any block
1: thrilling and that's just what grid world offers so oh i think we're overdue for our first
0: sketch oh hey let's run a couple simulations let's show the meat let's show Mm, what a zero-sum game really looks like and why it's inherent and innate i'll start the simulating machine
1: Two smokers on a smoke break with just one cigarette.
0: Oh, there's one cigarette but there's two smokers
1: oh yeah i really want to have a cigarette on this smoke break so maybe it's, i'll have the cigarette well you no, know,
0: see i want to consume one cigarette and you want to consume mm. one cigarette from my yeah so yeah. that overdraws cigarettes by one that can't that can't yeah, be yeah we can't
1: both so we're gonna have to probably compete with each other yeah i think it's gonna have for to, the cigarette i
0: think it's a competition yeah
1: mm. yeah mm. so who's stronger who's bigger
0: okay wait so if we assume that the person who is the fastest runner should deserves, smoke the cigarette, yeah. Deserves the cigarette. Then...
1: All we'd have to do is have a
0: race. Something objective to determine who deserves a cigarette.
1: It makes sense, because there can only be one of us smoking one full cigarette. Yeah, there's two of us. Yeah, Do exactly. the math. Do the logic. I love trying.
0: Oh, please choose me. Pick me. No, I'm the better suitor. I'm just the better suitor. Like, just compare (laughs) us, rank us, compete us. Look at my features. Oh, And the features of
1: my life as well that you know about. My features are
0: above a certain threshold. They might not compare, but they're above a certain threshold, certainly. And I have secondary things that I can...
1: I can offer you a salary of 100,000 logic cubes per year.
0: Well, let's be logical. My yearly salary, 145,000 logic cubes. Oh, come on,
1: but we can spend summers at my parents' cottage. That's got to be worth a few thousand logic cubes per year. And don't forget about my features.
0: know what? I have to concede. This is the superior suitor. I'm going to bow out gracefully. Ultimately, at the end of the day, one suitor must step away. Yeah. That'll be me.
1: That's perfect. That makes sense. With all your logic cubes, you'll find someone else. So good zero-sum game. Good zero-sum game to you, sir. A Beauty Pageant
0: we now go to our tiebreaker round because our two perfect beauties are perfectly mathematically matched in the looks department. Our tiebreaker, we will rely on the beauty of their philosophical treatment of the zero-sum game.
1: In a society, we all have to know where we stand in relation to one another, and zero-sum games helps us learn that through brutal competition. Thank you.
0: The natural structure of the world is inherent scarcity. We need mechanisms to ensure that what it is goes to the worthy and we don't sustain the needs of the needless. Thank you.
1: Medicine Rationing After the Apocalypse
0: Folks, gather around. As you all know, we started with 68 doses of the medicine but four of them fell off the cart and were broken.
1: We're just going to have to decide who doesn't get them in an orderly fashion but first things first, I think me and this guy here should both get a dose. Yeah,
0: I mean, not most importantly but most obviously I mean, we're navigating the distribution of doses, we're a necessary function of dose distribution. We're both also really
1: strong. So yeah, yeah.
0: But necessarily, I mean, we have to pick out who's not going to get it. Some will, some won't. Let's pick. That's reality.
1: By viewing these simulations, we hope that you have a much better understanding now of what the zero-sum game is, because the zero-sum game is at the core of everything in our society and in reality here in the magnificent gothic city of Pattern Grid World, a place in which we all agree to never look beyond those high beautiful walls
0: that keep us in. We now go to beyond the beautiful magnificent walls that keep us all in of Pattern Grid World to an underground cell. Of resistance fighters helping people to escape.
1: Hey, uh, welcome to the camp here. It's uh,
0: feel like I have way more choices than I usually do.
1: Yeah, pattern grid they lock everything down so you can only go to the choice nodes. And here it's a bit more open. I know it's disorienting. Why don't you just have a seat here? There's some tea almond milk. Oh,
0: thank you. Yeah, don't mind if I do. It's
1: going to be a lot to take in, but we have some simulations here to show you. Kind of like the old zero-sum simulations I'm sure you're familiar with, but these are different types of some situations that used to be part of the curriculum, but have been obscured. So we just, it's a good primer to help you understand what's been going on.
0: I guess I'll just sip my tea and and watch the simulations. Mm, This this tea, this tea's an unfamiliar, it's
1: neither good nor bad is that what you're thinking
0: yeah what is, what is that what, yeah, what
1: it's it's different right it's kind of this tea is what we call just okay i would, i know it's weird it's hard to understand but it's like in grid world there's good and bad but you'll get it just keep drinking the tea
0: <sighs> there's definitely elements i appreciate here but also shortcomings
1: so i'm just going to start the non-zero-sum simulation machine the
0: development of vaccines. We did it. It's complete. It's a vaccine. it's
1: worked. It's effective. It will protect us. This is going to save millions of lives.
0: And we should allow anyone to develop it based on what we've discovered, because the more people who are able to develop the vaccine, the oh, better, course. the more immunity will be out there, and we all benefit, even the people who don't get the vaccine.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it helps everyone. This virus can be stopped because we've discovered this and because we are giving it away to everyone, for our love of humanity. Trade! This comb is useless for my bald head. I wish I just had a hat to put on and cover it up.
0: Oh man, I hate this stupid ugly hat. I wish I had a comb to brush my luscious locks. Ah, stupid hat's all I have. Uh, hey, wait a minute. We could trade. Well, if we trade the two things we don't want, we could both get things we want and get generate value.
1: Trading something I don't want for something I do want while well, you do
0: the same? Sign me up. File sharing. Hey, I'm going to send you all of the music that I downloaded over the years for free because you're my friend.
1: Sounds great. I have every HBO show, past and present, every episode on a file server here you can access.
0: Oh, cool. This is awesome. And there's no victim for this because we would never ever go out and get all this content.
1: Absolutely. Files can be replicated infinitely with basically no energy.
0: Oh, I love file sharing. So ethical.
1: Yeah, it is really ethical.
0: Value is created through the process of sharing files. This episode of Pattern Grid World is brought to you by the Seriously Wrong Podcast. Hi, my name is Sean and, and Hi, I'm Aaron and we do the podcast Seriously Wrong, which you're listening to. And the thing that makes the show happen and the way that we're able to fight and destroy Pattern Grid World is through people who make monthly recurring donations, who become members of the show, who, who help us get the ball at the field, get the ball in the net.
1: Yeah, I do have to give some thanks to Pattern Grid World for letting us advertise on their show even though we're at war with them and every one of our episodes is like a magic bullet that releases someone from their grip. They're so short-sighted that they took our advertising dollars, but in order to keep going, we do need more people to sign up. So that means heading over to Patreon, typing in seriously wrong and pledging the sweet six the sweet six and there's so much stuff that you get bonus episodes episodes a day early undying gratitude
0: yeah and just bonus content different weird bonus content coming all the time so thanks a lot for listening and thanks for listening to our little yeah and if you pitch.
1: yeah you appreciate these bombs that we have been lobbing into grid world if you want more bombs you know what to do
0: or if you prefer a more non-violent metaphor, if you like the nourishing that we've been doing to those affected by pattern grid worlds.
1: Oh, yeah. Good point.
0: That's valid, too. That's also an important part of the equation. Uh, back to the show. So yeah, I think it's important that when we're looking at and considering which systems are zero sum to set up criteria to determine if something is like really zero sum or if it's a cultural Assumption that something is inherently zero-sum.
1: Yeah, or if the reason that it's really zero-sum is because it's been specifically designed that way on purpose and it's like a human... Like, poker, for example, works the way that it does as a zero-sum game because, like, there's poker rules that are written down and, like, you have to do these things or you're not playing poker. Mm -hmm. So it's just, like, by definition, it's zero-sum because it was designed that way. Yeah,
0: poker is a social construct of the most explicit variety. It's a capital S, capital C social construct.
1: Game rules that are literally just written out perfect. Yeah, and same thing with elections.
0: Yeah, like a political election... It's a system that we've designed to pick winners and losers for representations through a structure. Of like parliamentary or Republican democracy. It's something that human beings have come together and decided to do, for better or worse, to structure the system in a win-or-lose, binaristic sort of way where someone wins at the expense of others losing. Is it possible to create systems that don't do that? Obviously, yes.
1: Yeah, even if it was just everyone who gets X number of votes, a threshold, gets to be part of the representational body or whatever, and it can be as big or small as it is, that would be not zero-sum. Yeah,
0: and we can argue about the merits of like a premise like that, or we can say like the system with zero-sum competition is better than a non-zero-sum, but to say that it's to design a system that allows people to be non-competitive in their participation in politics, to say that's impossible is just wrong, is just frankly wrong.
1: Because think about what it means for something to be zero-sum. It has to be constructed in a very specific way where one person's gain is necessarily another person's loss. Like those things have to be the same thing. If you can gain without another person losing, it's no longer zero sum. If you can lose without another person gaining, it's no longer zero sum. So that's a very rigid set of conditions to meet. You pretty much always have to set things up that way in order for it to be like that.
0: The actual physical reality of the world is complicated enough that to find like a naturally occurring zero sum scenario that is outside of social relations is I think nearly impossible. Like it's gotta happen so fleetingly rare that it would be set up with no possible outside influence that could make it a lose-lose scenario or a win-win scenario in some way.
1: Yeah, there's no other option. It is hard to think of one. Like, cause you might be like, oh, you know, we're running a race and someone has to win and someone has to lose. That's just basic. That's part of reality of running races, but it's like the running of the race is the, so like you could just both run mm-hmm. and like, yeah, one person will get there first or not first, but those are just, that's not a winning or losing necessarily if it's not a race.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, and there's also criteria, I mean, we could break it down even further to be like maybe someone running faster than another person might not actually be that impressive. If you look at all the details of the situation, like say someone is not a person who's a trained runner, but who has really long legs and just has a natural advantage can just effortlessly show up and run a certain speed. But then someone else who has like maybe has shorter legs, has a disadvantage when it comes to running speed, but trains a long time and can compete with that enormous legged lazy person. And that could be an accomplishment in itself that's far greater than the person who didn't work on the fundamentals of running at all. There's the, it would be a construct to elevate the amount of speed it takes to get to a location over the process that's behind races that we actually value as a society, which is people training and improving over their own previous times.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's putting the focus on a very specific outcome, who won the race, and saying, that's the thing that matters. That's the thing we all care about. Not like... How much fun did we all have, for example? Uh, That might sound a bit weird, but, you know, it's another valid thing anyone might want to consider in a scenario like that, like a running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or who... Or who who trained the hardest, like you were talking about.
0: Yeah, who made the most progress in the last year?
1: Every year we run a race against ourselves from one year previously if you run a race every year and you just keep like improving yourself like you win every single year it's not win lose it's just winning over and over again
0: those are things that if we valued more i think we'd get better results from people the idea that you have to be in competition with someone else is Like that construct is actually just bizarre. So around the zero sum thinking, there's a certain mindset around zero sum thought that people get sort of trapped in where they see losses and wins being more tied together than they actually are. And from that, they make bad choices because they're misled. They think things that aren't true. So when I think when it comes to the sort of zero-sum thinking, we make a mistake where we project that sort of zero-sum thinking onto the fabric of reality and say like reality is this way, but it's actually just something we've invented. And then we use our projection of it onto reality, onto the fabric of nature as justification for our own constructions.
1: I agree with you, but just even as you say that, a big part of me is like, no, I'm not projecting it onto reality. What if we're in the forest and there's only one hunk of meat and there's two people and we're going to die, you know, like, but again, you got to go to like these extreme scenarios that like, sure, like maybe could happen. I'm not saying, There's no zero sum in nature ever, no matter what. But like, why are you in the forest with one hunk of meat, and why is there no other way to get any other food before you start? Like, it takes a long time to starve. Are you already on the brink of starvation? So
0: starving that eating only half a piece of meat right now is going to yeah
1: not tide you over until the next available food. Like you have to stipulate another thing and another thing until you're just like, oh yeah, no, wait, that actually isn't reality usually. That's just not.
0: I wonder if there's a name for this sort of logic error, but people do it frequently because if you can imagine a specific unlikely scenario And then have it apply to everything, even though it's like this extremely rare example. Like, for example, when people are talking about violence and they're like, well, violence is necessary in self-defense. And it's like, yes, absolutely. But when you do the sum total of all the experiences across a lifetime, how frequently are you defending yourself where you're resorting to violence? And how frequently are you participating in conversations or other things like that? It's so fleetingly rare that this happens. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about the harsh reality of when your spaceship it's in a too long an orbit and you only have two Vaccines and you've got three children and stuff, and like, yeah, like, sure, maybe like let me, let's figure out what we do in that scenario, but absolutely. let's be realistic about what the world's like. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, there are situations in the world where we don't have enough of things, like we don't have enough potentially food or not enough clean water, or like that's a real thing that can happen in the yeah. world for sure.
0: So frequently in history, though, the times when there wasn't enough to go around, it wasn't actually a matter of not literally having enough, it was a matter of some sort of social construct preventing people from getting what they need. For example, like homelessness, where we have all these empty homes around the world and there's people who don't have homes. Now, it's obviously not as simple as just putting people without homes into homes, but in another sense, it is.
1: Yeah, and like you can talk about these disaster scenarios where you're already in a situation where there's not enough food. But just looking at that moment in isolation rather than looking at the systems that made that happen, the assumptions in the world around it that went into making that happen. And like were people hoarding some food because they had a mentality that there wouldn't be enough? Probably. that I think that happens in famines a lot. Were there distribution issues? extreme failures in societal systems can lead to like these massively devastating zero-sum scenarios that do happen I think but it's
0: something that's constructed it's not something that's just found it's something that exists like you're talking about a disaster scenario where systems are working out of sync with in each other in a way that creates some sort of shortage of something that there should be enough of
1: yeah exactly and like we want our systems to be set up to make natural disasters or zero-sum situations happen less like rather than more you would think but in our society what we often do is like we replicate this scenario that only happens in this specific thing these like disaster scenarios and then like it gets as you were saying gets inside our brain and like increases our bias towards this kind of thinking and we start assuming it in situations where it doesn't apply or like trying to make it apply in situations where it doesn't need to We're like designing situations to make it apply, naturalizing it and saying it's part of the world and not something that we're like projecting onto the world. And then like we bring it into all of our relationships, our friendships, our organizing. We're locked in this win-lose battle. And it never turns out good. Like, even if you win a win-lose battle against your partner or your friend, like, it's not, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't work out good.
0: And for all those reasons and more is why we've pledged to take down Pattern Grid Worlds with some direct action. And Absolutely. We've had our team of pro hackers put together some malware that will be uploading a virus uh, directly into the mainframe of Pattern Grid Worlds and take it down from the inside and, and free the people trapped.
1: Yeah, working to free individual people, you know, getting them out, reintegrating them into society, that's good work. That's beautiful work. But I think we got to do one step more and just break the whole system. Like telling a paradox to a robot in an old science fiction show, this malware we'll introduce will cause Pattern Grid World to... Breakdown.
0: And once we freed the people and liberated them, give them what they need out here in the real world, which is meaningful choice, deep polyfaceted choice in every element of their lives, picking between various forms of laundry soap and so on. The organic real world is like that, and I uh, can't wait to share it with them. So I'll just pop in this virus. Oh
1: yeah, pop uh, in the virus.
0: Just hit these buttons here, and just, uh, can you pull the lever there that pushes the virus into the mainframe? Oh
1: yeah, the virus-pushing lever. Hold. Pull that lever to push the virus,
0: It's funny how that's how things really do be sometimes, but...
1: and the virus is hitting the mainframe now. Two smokers on a smoke break with just one cigarette. Oh my god, there's only one cigarette. Well,
0: I want to smoke one cigarette. I want to
1: smoke one cigarette,
0: too. But we'd overdraw the cigarettes by one. We'd have minus one cigarettes if we both smoked one cigarette. It's impossible. It's not illogical.
1: (sighs) I guess we're going to have to each smoke half like you take a hit, i take a hit and we could just smoke it together oh
0: if i smoke 0.5 cigarettes and you smoke 0.5 cigarettes yeah then it'll be
1: fine for now and we'll get more later i mean i could go run and get some right now too but no that
0: seems reasonable to me i think splitting it now yeah
1: lots of cigarettes in the world
0: i love triangle
1: Oh, pick me, pick me, please! On oh, my me, features. I,
0: look at my features. I want to be your romantic partner. You have to pick only one of us
1: because romantic relationships—that's how it works. And I
0: assume that you're going to pick at least one of us because the two of us are your suitors. And wait a minute—you're saying you're polyamorous? Whoa, poly, I hadn't even considered that. That means that you could have more than one partner. That more than, oh, sort of breaks yeah, the zero sum. At
1: you over. Oh, but you're choosing neither of us. Oh, okay. So you have three other new partners, not
0: us. Oh, huh, so you're. Neither locked down to having just one partner nor are you locked down to choosing between us yeah, for weird. That I don't know
1: why I thought because we are competing you'd have to pick one of us but I guess that there were so many other options yeah that's right? how
0: reality is I guess as many different multifaceted options
1: A beauty pageant.
0: And now, folks, the beauty pageant is coming to a close, and it's going to be a close finish. The judges have come to their decisions and will be announcing results. On behalf of the judges, would you like to share your decision?
1: Sure, yeah, I got that piece of paper here. It should have the answer, the judge's decision, the winner is the realization that this entire pageant has been based on a false premise that beauty can be ranked in a specific system and the judges award judgment to the idea that all of these women are beautiful in different ways.
0: Yeah, that's a shocking judgment that's going to send shockwaves across the whole beauty pageant industry, frankly, that you could have a judgment that's like a tie but acknowledges the difference, the specialness Mm. and uniqueness of every individual because the whole premise of a beauty pageant is based on false premises of ranking and exclusivity.
1: In the judges room we were sitting there and we asked ourselves, what are we here to judge? Is it just the beauty of these women or is it the truth value of the whole situation of what we're doing? And in that spirit we issued also a second judgment which was that all beauty pageants should be suspended immediately until we know what's going on.
0: That makes total sense to me. Just to pause beauty pageants until we can open up the hood here and really look at the different sort of gender dynamics and hierarchical assumptions that are going into such a pageant like this, figure out what is maybe liberatory or regressive about such an institution, and then relaunch after a Truth and Reconciliation Commission on the History of Gender in Society.
1: It's funny you say Truth and Reconciliation Commission on the History of Gender. That's exactly what, yeah, that was the rest of the judgment. That's what we were recommending, absolutely.
0: More and more people are calling for that these days because it just just makes makes sense sense. when you think about it.
1: Medicine rationing after the apocalypse. Right, everyone, so as you know, nine fewer doses than people.
0: What if we took all the doses and mixed them together and made slightly smaller doses so everyone gets Almost a full dose, but no one has to go with that. Yeah,
1: you'd only get 88% of a full dose. Oh, maybe that would work. I think most, yeah, maybe that's more fair. That's a good idea oh wait what if instead of that we picked the people who are healthiest to maybe not get a dose or to get the smallest dose and gave the people with the weakest immune systems the highest doses a kind of like true deep equality
0: huh no that's an interesting let's just put it to a simple majority vote so we're going to do true deep equality and a formal equality
1: yeah we're all agreed the zero-sum thinking we're not doing that but choosing between these two types of equality i like that so so
0: who wants a true deep equality
1: Okay. okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, some now, who wants a formal equality? Oh yeah, there's yeah. a lot of hands. Yeah, there. it's a winner.
0: Okay, so we'll be doing the formal equality. Hey, it's a lot better than. That's great. Yeah, Actually. everyone will
1: get eighty-eight percent of a dose, and we'll probably it'll be fine.
0: I'm sure there could be some charitable, healthy people as well that could help oh, fill yeah. the
1: gap. Sure, that's allowed. <laughs> Welcome back to Pattern Grid World News Special Report. It's all over, folks.
0: Our beautiful dream of a pristine pattern grid world is crumbling down before our very eyes. We're hearing reports of people having choices between as many as four or five different options. It's absolute chaos.
1: The choice node emanating from my chest right now is giving me a thousand different potentials, which I've never seen before. It's all falling down. Who would have thought that our extremely rigid ideology and society would be vulnerable to crumbling like
0: this? Part of the exact problem, is that we at pattern grid world had never planned for any sort of other thing happening yeah no
1: that was outside the scope of what we yeah our assumptions what we thought possible you know you've all been in the streets you've seen the people running this way and that not having any direct line to follow to the next choice node
0: people deciding to do things like stand in corners or drop their phone on the ground and then pick it up for no apparent purpose. Abstract decisions we've never seen made before.
1: Yeah, it's a wild world out there and people are confused and angry. That's the general mood and that's my mood as well, because I don't like this. Oh, oh it, my
0: god. Everything in its right place. It's, I think it's making me
1: uncomfortable, but I kinda wanna just I wanna choose to get up and walk off screen even though I'm on camera. Maybe just like look at my I shoe. feel
0: like I might want to choose a different career. Maybe being a news guy isn't for me. Oh my
1: god, what my Partners choosing to end our 20 year marriage right now via text, even though they know I'm on the end. I'm choosing nice choice No, we're choosing doing. It's exploding.
0: So many choices. Yeah. More choices. Yeah. Welcome back to Pattern Grid World refugee camp news. That was sort of interesting being pulled out of a dying machine?
1: Yeah, this weird, the world exploding, leaving Pattern Grid World and coming to the real world to do a newscast that quick? It's definitely an adjustment.
0: So in Pattern Grid World refugee camp news, our liberators have identified themselves as heroes of post-scarcity. We're going to teach us the way that the world really works. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, if I have to be in the real world, I guess I'm going to want to know how it works. And that's a sentiment being echoed across the refugee camps as people are... Confused still, but now intrigued rather than angry. I think there's a widespread intrigue
0: that I I share. From my personal experience, when I was first sort of ripped from the womb, as it were, taken from Pattern Grid World and Mm. entered into a radically different choice space.
1: Yeah, I remember that just happened.
0: It shook me, and I was at first confused, terrified, angry, but then it turns to slowly a growing feeling of intrigue.
1: So I guess on behalf of uh, this news outlet and all the refugees, teach us, oh great, liberators, teach us about how this real world works.
0: You freed us from the horrible machine, liberators, and for that, we'll give you our attention. So one of the things about zero-sum competition is when, sometimes in competition... You can have cases where, for example, if you're like in a painting competition, to paint the best painting is one path to become the winner, but another path to become a winner is somehow sabotage the other leading contender's painting. You know, do a pretty good painting, but make sure that no one else's painting is good by sabotaging them. That's another way to win within a competition, a zero-sum competition with one winner and the rest are losers. That incentive, that sabotage sort of incentive, is a mangling of the beautiful side of competition. Not just competing against yourself, but just competing to be better in a sincere way that's not based on some sort of hierarchical ego formation of like wanting to defeat other people or something like that. The systems overwhelmingly are designed to incentivize that sort of like hierarchical ego game stuff and i feel like the sabotage incentive exists within those systems it exists within the foot race it exists within competition constructs within society
1: yeah so like if you're in a painting competition there's kind of two ways you can conceptualize what you're there to do and what you want to do and one of them is like i want to paint the best painting that i possibly can And the other one is I want to win the competition. I want my painting to be better than everyone else's. So like only under the zero sum framing does things like sabotage make sense.
0: Yeah, and sabotage itself is a crime against painting. If you care about great paintings, sabotage runs directly contradictory to that. But if you care about winning, it doesn't.
1: Yeah, and like the painting competition can be exactly the same in either scenario but it's like how you're approaching it. Like, I don't wanna discount that the painting comp, like by framing it around the winner, like you're definitely encouraging this kind of thinking, like structurally you're incentivizing it, you're framing it around it directly, but it, it still is possible to not bring that kind of thinking to the situation yourself, if you're in that painting competition or whatever. Like there are people who go to things like that and just don't experience it that way. Or don't primarily experience it that way.
0: I feel like the way that these competitions are set up and talked about in society help create that zero sum bias in our thinking. Like, you could either think of it as like our bias creates these institutions, or you could think that these institutions existing our whole lives prime our biases. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tempted to say the latter is true that being around all these competitions that are structured hierarchically help bake these ideas into our head, like bake these ideas into our, the yeah. way we see the world Absolutely, in yeah. terms of winners and losers. And
1: well, like I think that it's, it's both right. Or like we have the potential for both inside of us. I think just like sometimes when people are hurt or scared or angry or experiencing various negative emotions, there's part of you that wants to protect you and it starts making like really strong declarative statements and it sees things very black and white and there's winners and losers And it wants to be a winner and not a loser. And it's, you know, society right now, by doing these things, by focusing it all so much on winner versus loser, it's like training us to live in that state of mind all the time.
0: Yeah, these systems with zero-sum thinking and the all-or-nothing sort of mentality where people are ranked, where some people are above others, it's something that I think we should strive to change in our society. And I think at the risk of sounding naive... I think to the degree that we can build a non-competitive society, we should, and the vast majority of things make more sense to structure non-competitively than competitively, and this is where I'll maybe seem like a little bit of a nerd, including sports and politics. Sports and politics could be structured in a way that could reinforce healthy ideas of participation that deal more people in to the process of participating in sports and stuff like that, and frame things in a way that's more beneficial to people's well being. And similarly, in politics, you can set up structures that allow there to be less losers.
1: Yeah, I don't know if like all sports should be non competitive, but I think like definitely it's more worth exploring. Like, I think the more we teach people or like give people experiences of systems where it's presented that the value isn't based on how you exist in ranking with other people, it's going to be a lot more psychologically healthy for people. Because as long as you conceptualize your own worth in terms of winners and losers, and did I win this thing or lose this thing, like, You know, like they try to teach sportsmanship that like, oh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose and it's okay on either side. And that's really good. But also winners and losers are kind of fake. And they're based on like creating these extremely limited rule sets where like this is baseball and you have to be able to do these things in this specific way under these restrictions. Yeah, some people are the best at that, but it's basically meaningless. And the way it seeps into your psychology is that you start seeing everything like that and you start being afraid of losing at everything and really, really desiring to win at everything. So, like, yeah, sometimes you're a winner, but then a lot of the times you're a loser. And that's like not a pleasant state of existence to be in and this binary flipping between winner and loser, but most of the time loser, but like kind of feeling insecure about that. So like talking about your wins a lot more and like how you're really a big winner. Like this is the kind of spirals and things that this way of conceptualizing yourself in relation to the world leads to and it's not pleasant so like understanding that winners and losers are fake that nature is in a hierarchy where people are ranked according to traits amongst one another and that it's better to have more or whatever it's all nonsense everyone is different and like it's good to improve and to be better than you were before and to act in ways according to your values those are things that if you derive your self-worth from those rather than how you rank yourself according to other people you'll be way better you'll feel way better
0: yeah and you'll be way better than anyone who doesn't
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no totally people who don't do that (laughs) <laughs> Total ignoramuses, losers, bottom of the heap, underneath us, who I, I do what I just said perfectly all the time.
0: Um, no, yeah, but that's, that, <laughs> that really demonstrates the two, like the, the way the wording is the, so similar, but it's the, the meaning meaning's so different. To be better than you were before versus to be better than someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the part of you that feels like a winner is the same part that feels like a loser for sure. And it's interesting the way these systems are set up To create losers and then like the psychosocial institutions of hierarchy and difference that are also separate, but they do overlap. And I think like they need to be tackled together if we want to have like a deep, you know, revolutionary transition to something that can actually make the human race last for long enough to do great things. One quick addition I thought to
1: add, like... I think doing better than you did before is a really good way to try to motivate yourself, but also all of us get old and like start doing worse than we did before at things. Or like some people can't improve at certain things. Like, I don't want to make that the standard of like being good either or judging yourself worth on that. I think it's a good thing to improve on ways that you can, but also I just think really like knowing what you care about and Acting in ways that further those values or try to bring those values into the world. I think that's the real like juicy core of like how to think about your worth and like getting better at things can be one of those values for sure. And it's like, it's a good thing to do.
0: Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another way I might say that same thing is setting goals and meeting goals that reinforce who you are to yourself. You know, like yeah. Kurt Vonnegut says, we are who we pretend to be. And fulfillment is pretending to be the thing that you want to be and then doing it and then pretending and doing it in like this process of
1: yeah, creating yourself through that. Yeah, it's
0: not through being like, oh, this painting's 5% worse than my painting. Oh, I've got so much worth. My value so great in the world. Oh, no, my political candidate lost by 0.2%. And doesn't get the seat. Oh, my life is ruined. 0.2%. People are so horrible. They're so bad.
1: Yeah, it's just not you're never going to like win all the time. So if like winning all the time is the basis of how you feel good, it's not going to work. And if it's the basis of like what a society tells all of us to value, then we're all going to have like values that make us feel bad. So, yeah, it's not good. If
0: the map that you're carrying, if the pattern grid world that you carry in your brain doesn't map to reality bad things will happen
1: yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more i feel like we kind of covered everything i feel like we earned a break and i was just looking at the tv guide i'm seeing here great men of history deathbed
0: moments oh wow a new episode yeah there's a new episode Uh, on another great man of history is on his deathbed i i I didn't know yeah it's on state-run television you want to you want to turn it on you know me i love to watch the deathbed moments of great men of history let's do it let's turn it on yeah maybe it'll be relevant who knows
1: Welcome back to another exciting, fantastic episode of Great Men of History Deathbed Moments. We're here in a hospital, in the death room of Paxel West, the author of Live Like a Grid, Right Turn to Win, Left Turn to Lose, and of course, the founder of Pattern Grid World. Thank you for inviting us to your deathbed.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you in here with me, and I always welcome the state-run cameras.
1: So, everybody is dying to know, with the recent dissolution, destruction, of Pattern Grid World, how do you feel about that?
0: Uh, Well, I look back on a long life, and I I think, honestly, they saved me. They saved my reputation from that mistake. Wait a minute, this is
1: shocking news. Are you announcing now to the world that you're renouncing pattern grid world? Are you renouncing live like a grid and the whole system?
0: I mean, hey, it's my deathbed. I might as well reflect on a long life and, you know, come to thorny ethical conclusions about what
1: I've done. You know, people know that you never lost, always won. That was your motto in life and it's on your gravestone pre-prepared sitting here in the room ready for when you die
0: it's true i always won i never lost the whole time like a pattern like a grid of, making
1: all the right turns but
0: i see now it's just an empire of dirt this type of thinking it's an infection it's win and lose View of the world leaves you hollow in the end. Even victory is a type of loss because you're not able to share it. It's isolating.
1: Are you saying that winning hasn't been enough to sustain your feeling of well being? Constantly winning?
0: I don't know. I think uh, you should want to rise with the ranks, not from the ranks, you know? I think the only thing that constantly winning ever did for me, in retrospect, is it gave me minor relief from uh, crushing shame and humiliation that I've just felt my whole life. I've always felt. Like I'm on the edge of becoming a loser. What could you possibly have to be
1: ashamed of or humiliated about? You won. You won (laughs) in everything.
0: You know, it's really bugged me my whole life. Something about being extremely old has made it okay to, I can just laugh about it. But I remember now when I was, must have been five or six, we all had a holding our pee in the longest contest and uh i peed first i mean who cares right but i peed my pants and they all called me the loser piss baby and uh i think really honestly that's where pattern grid world started (laughs) because i just started being like I'm not a piss baby. <laughs> uh crazy stuff. That's life though. So
1: you're saying that not only did you lose once, you had a formative experience of loss that you've been reacting against your entire life, a crushing humiliation. That's the only reason. It's it's been the impetus behind all of your work, everything you've done, and you realize now that you should have just laughed about it because who cares who pees? first or last or who can hold it in the longest it doesn't matter it didn't matter that you lost and so your whole life's work based on that also doesn't matter that's what you're saying with your last moments and that you're happy about this you're laughing
0: uh yeah for me i mean i think honestly you know i'm about to die i'm on my deathbed here i feel like i'm being held i'm just full of grace I'm just on the way out, and uh, because of that, I've got a new perspective. Well, that's fantastic. I think, honestly, everyone has those sort of moments. I mean, almost that exact moment in different way. It's probably everyone watching this on state TV probably had a moment like that where they first learned what a loser was and what it felt to be one. <laughs> oh, man. Living in a society that constantly reifies uh, these hierarchical notions, I mean, that's something for everyone to work on. Or, I mean, you don't have to work on it. You can just wait to the grace of death to feel held and discovered on your own as you smirk off into the afterlife that machine is crazy does that mean i'm about to die
1: well actually now that i look at my watch it seems that we are approaching the scheduled death time so it makes sense that you would be dying like now-ish not a lot of room for doctors in here at the camera crew
0: well it was uh, i can say honestly it was nice to chat great job getting the cameras in here and stuff who knows what it takes to put something like that together good on you boys yeah. oh thank you and like great, great job on your
1: last words oh no he didn't he didn't hear me uh, I tried to say great job on your last words but he's gone <sighs> that was great men of history deathbed moments an explosive episode an episode that will go down I think in history this is exciting stuff people will be talking about this for the ages I uh, I'm Oh, just back to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. Yeah, so Zero Sum Games, I think we covered it.
0: The virus is in the mainframe and the system came crashing down.
1: Yeah, founder denounced it. And what else can you say? Pattern Grid World, gone. Goodbye.
0: See you later. Yeah, hit us up on Patreon or Twitter or wherever else. Leave a review, whatever. Absolutely. And have a great,
1: uh, great few weeks. Yeah,
0: and uh, we wish you the best. As far as we're concerned, your liberation and our liberation are intertwined. I think all of our liberation is intertwined. So let's do it. I'm wrong, you're wrong, he is wrong. She's wrong, they're wrong, we're wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, I am wrong. We are wrong. Seriously, seriously, seriously wrong. Next time on Seriously Wrong, we follow a former citizen of Pattern Grid World and their integration specialist at the grocery store
1: okay so this is the cereal aisle we've been here a few times before you remember it yes do you want to choose a cereal
0: which two cereals am i choosing from
1: oh there's actually uh one i I don't want to count but it looks like at least 60 varieties of cereal here so you're choosing Uh, between six you narrow it down by category you got like your more sugary cereals here and sort of some more brand based stuff here. Though some of those will have sugar in them too. Uh, you want to check the labels. If you, you don't care about sugar, just going by taste, you know, people really love golden grams, for example.
0: Okay, between taste, price, nutrition, which should I value the highest?
1: That's your choice. But also, which kind of <laughs> taste you like is your choice. Do you like <laughs> chocolate? Do you like cinnamon? Do you like. I I,
0: I I don't like this. This is disgusting and horrible. You can
1: just pick whatever if you don't want to make a choice. Or pick the lowest priced one if you don't want to make a choice. Look for what's on sale. But you do have to make a choice.
0: I choose... Uh, you can do it.
1: You can do it. I believe in you. You can do it.
0: Choose this one. There you go. That's
1: great. That's a great cereal. My daughter loves that one. Okay, maybe that's Uh, enough for today's trip to the grocery store. uh, Well, You know, this is good. This is a big step forward. (laughs) It's it's all right. You're doing great. You're doing so, so good. We'll just go up to the cash register. I don't know if
0: it's the right choice.
1: You know, you'll never know, but it's okay. It's okay to not know. That's what's great about
0: it. I want to weigh it out.
1: I know you do. I know you do. It's okay. You can weigh it out a little bit, but you'll never come to an answer.